0: So today we're going to look at the second half of the paragraph that we started looking at last week in the book of James. You're visiting, we're going through the book of James together, and we're almost done. And uh, we're just kind of go section by section through the book of James, and we're almost done. And so we looked at a paragraph last week, and we looked at the first half of it, and today we're going to look at the second half of that paragraph that James is writing with a very specific audience in mind in this paragraph. He's writing to Christians that need encouragement, because they're being really mistreated and persecuted in their situation, they were relatively poor or very poor, and the people they were working for were not paying them their wages. And, it, and James says, "You're even, you're even. Ki- the people are being killed because of the way they're being treated. They're actually, dying, maybe starving, or maybe just the realities of poverty are affecting them to the point that they're actually dying." So he's writing to encourage those people who are in a really, really horrible situation. And in the first half of the paragraph that we looked at last week. James tries. James tries to lift their spirits by reminding them that Jesus is going to come back. We talked about that a second ago during communion. That Jesus is going to come back, and He's going to make everything right. And the suffering that you're going through is going to come to an end. And days of blessing lie ahead. And so we looked at that. And if you didn't, if you weren't here, listen. You know, go on the podcast and listen to that because um, we need to be reminded that all the time that this could be the day that Jesus returns. And so that was the first half. Now we come to the second half of this paragraph that, remember, is a paragraph of encouragement uh, to mistreated and hurting Christians. And James wants to do something else to lift their spirits. So he gives them examples of some people who suffered well. Remember, they're suffering. So he gives them examples of some people from their history that suffered well. Because he wants them, and I believe this, he wants us to learn from those who have gone through hard times already. And I think his intention here is he's saying, listen, I'm going to give you some lessons from those who have suffered well and serve as our examples. So let's look at at just two verses today and then we'll explain what he's trying to say here. James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. He says, As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. So so James just stops there. James uses examples, he says, of the prophets and Job to reveal to his followers um, how they can learn to suffer well. Now, if I say that to people here, we might say, well, that doesn't say much to me. But what's interesting is, you know, 2,000 years ago, James could just say, write to them, think of the prophets and Job to those he was writing to, and they would understand what he meant, because his audience was primarily Jewish, and they knew the stories of the Old Testament characters, and they would have understood exactly what he was saying when he said, hey, learn how to suffer the way the prophets suffered and the way Job suffered in their various situations. Now, I'm not sure that we have the same background and that most of us would be able to understand what he's saying simply by saying, hey, you want to know how to suffer well? Think of the prophets and think of Job's, of Job. That we, might have to, that we might not have a clear grasp on the Old Testament characters and stories the way they would have had a grasp on the Old Testament characters and stories. So let's do something today so we can understand what James is implying about suffering from the prophets in Job. I want you to, to do some. Let's imagine. Some people get nervous when I say that. But let's, I'm not going to vary from scripture at all. But let's imagine what the prophets in Job would say to us about suffering if they were here with us today. So let's, let's think about that. What would the prophets have to say to us about suffering, about enduring well, suffering well? Well, understand this about the prophets. They were just ordinary people like you and me. Sometimes we idolize these people. We should maybe idolize them in a sense that they did amazing things. But they were just regular Joes. Regular, ordinary people that God selected. And he said, you know what? I have a message for you. God would speak a message to them. And then they would speak the message to the people, and primarily the people of Israel. And many of the books in the Old Testament are messages from the prophets um, and there's stories about the prophets. So when you go look through your Old Testament and you see Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, on and on and on, those are all major and minor prophets in the Old Testament. People who God gave messages, and they spoke those messages that God gave to them. And they were just ordinary people that God gave the extraordinary job of relating his message to his people. Now it sounds fun, right? You want to be the person that God says, listen, I have a message for you. Go tell the people of Milwaukee this message. Go tell the people of Portview. How about this? Go tell your wife or your husband this message. Sound, maybe sounds like fun. Maybe it doesn't sound like fun. But if you examined all the prophets, you would find that most of them had a common thread that ran through all of their lives. You would think, okay, they're serving God. The common thread that runs all through their lives is they're really blessed and they had a fun life. No, you know what the common thread you would find that ran through almost all of their lives? They suffered a lot. That was the common thread that ran through their lives. And if we asked the prophets what they would want to tell us about suffering and how they got through it, I think there would be two main things that the prophets would tell us. And I'd encourage you, write these things down. Because they're going to help you now and they're going to help you in the future. Because I really think... If we can get a handle on this, we can suffer better. Because, you know, we, 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 he's trying to say, listen, Mark and everybody else, you can suffer well. You can go through suffering without it derailing you, without it causing you incredible you know, difficulty. So, what would they say to us? I think the first thing they would say to us is this. You will suffer because you follow the Lord. You will, and in my notes, I have will underlined and because underlined. You will suffer because you follow the Lord. Now this may sound wrong, and it may be different from what you've been led to believe, but it's a common thread that runs through the lives of the prophets of God. It's just true. Elijah fled for his life because he confronted the false prophets of Baal. Zechariah was killed Because he confronted the people of Judah for disregarding God's word. Daniel was tossed into a lion's den. Why? Because he prayed. You think, oh, he prayed, God was... No. Because he prayed, they threw him in a lion's den. Jeremiah was imprisoned and then thrown into a muddy cistern. And there's all kinds of rotten things that happened to Jeremiah. But they threw him into a muddy cistern, a thing that held water. And he sunk in mud up to his chest. And they left him there to die. Unfortunately, he was rescued, but they left him there to die. Why? Because he spoke a message from God. They said, what's going to happen? He kept saying, listen, I'm telling you, the Babylonians are going to kill us. Save your life. Surrender. We don't like hearing that. Throw him, in a, throw him in a well. Throw him in a sister. So he was, He because he spoke the word of God, which was proven to be true, he was 100% right. Because he spoke the word of God, trying to rescue the people, the very people he tried to rescue, wanted to kill him and threw him into a cistern and left him for dead. All of these prophets suffered because they chose to follow and obey the Lord. See, friends, we need to realize something. We live in a world at war. Josh and I were talking, Josh Lempkin and I were talking this morning about warfare going on around us, spiritual warfare, that we kind of wish God would open up our eyes, but I think it would freak us out to see what's really going on. There's a warfare, we're living in a world in war. There's a spiritual realm around us at war with, with angels and demons and stuff going on. The scriptures talk about it over and over. We don't see it. There's, there's one situation in scripture where, where Elijah says to, to the Lord, open up my open up my servant's eyes so we can see. And he sees, oh my goodness, there's an angel surrounding us. You know, so we are living at war, a spiritual war, where the forces of Satan are fighting against God, and they're fighting against anyone who wants to follow God. So if you are going to follow Jesus with any level of passion and obedience, and I say this, if you're just saying, Oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, but you're really not, I think the devil. I think the devil doesn't mess with you. He wants you to live exactly like you're living because you're ineffective for you and you're not changing the world. But if you serve the Lord with any level of passion and obedience, then there will be consequences. It will cost you because the enemy comes after you. Now, God is greater and we get something that no one else has. We get to walk in the presence of the king in the kingdom on this right now and for all eternity. But guess what? There's consequences if you serve the Lord. Don't believe the lies of a false gospel that is so pervasive in our culture in America today. No other cultures taught this nonsense. That just serve God, and you'll have your best life ever. Everything's good and great. That's a bunch of garbage. It doesn't line up with Scripture. If you come to Jesus, everything won't be wonderful. It's just not true that everything is wonderful. Why? Because you follow Jesus, you will face challenges. I believe that you never would have faced if you did not follow after Jesus, it costs you something. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy this. These are the kind of verses that a lot of people want to take a, uh, take a sharpie and scratch out of their Bible. He says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He did not say some, he says all. So why would we want to hear about this today? Why? Why do I want to hear that? If I really serve Jesus, I'm going to suffer some level of persecution in some way, spiritually or practically through people. Why would I want to hear that today? So you don't think it's strange when the tough times come. And I'm not saying all tough times are, co- are caused by, by demonic attacks or anything like that, but I'm saying this, tough times come to everyone. And if you have a belief that as a Christian, you're not going to walk through tough times, you will be derailed in your faith. So why do I want you to know that you're going to face tough times, whether they're spiritually inspired or just the reality of living in a fallen world, so you won't think it's strange when tough times come. So you won't be derailed from your faith in Jesus. Rather, when you face a tough time, what will happen, it will reinforce your faith in Jesus. Sometimes when I'm facing a lot of junk and you know everything's hitting the fan, I go, wow, the devil must really be mad at me. He's really trying to stop things around here. It reinforces to me that Jesus is that real and that battle is that real and I'm going to serve him no matter what because he is that real. So it reinforces your faith in Jesus, knowing that those who seek to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So I think if you took the prophets and you said, hey, what do you have to say to me? Take them all as a whole who all suffered and say, what could you tell our church about suffering? Well, they say, number one, understand, because you serve the Lord, you're going to suffer. I think it's the first thing. The second thing I believe that the prophets would tell us is this: it's okay to struggle in suffering. Just don't lose sight of the truth. It's okay to struggle in suffering. Now, some of you won't understand this, but I got saved in the '80s. Came to Jesus in the '80s, and it was the peak of what we call the hyperfaith movement. That was this. Is what I say all the time: if something went wrong, you couldn't say it. You know why? Well, oh, that's a negative confession. Can't say that. Negative confession. Who's ever heard that? Come on, you older people my age all have heard that. Right? Negative confession. It's a bunch of malarkey. Here's the reality. If if you got a flat tire, you got a flat tire. You can say all day long, I don't have a flat tire, I don't have a flat tire, I don't have a flat tire. If you got a flat tire, you got a flat tire. It's just the way it is. Or anything else in your life, it is. Understanding Christ, it's okay to struggle in suffering, to struggle, to get mad and be frustrated. It's okay, but never lose sight of the truth. Do you know what Jeremiah, what was the the, the name they had for Jeremiah? He was the what? The weeping prophet. He was a weeping prophet. He ministered, ministered during the final collapse of the kingdom of Judah. He continually called his people to turn to God, but they continually rejected him and they persecuted him and they threw him in a pit. Jeremiah was continually abused and ridiculed and mistreated and imprisoned for always only doing one thing, doing what God told him to do. And guess what? It got to him. It bugged him. It bothered him. He was frustrated and he was upset. He got mad. He felt betrayed. He felt betrayed by people. He felt betrayed by God. He yelled at God. He got mad. He cried and he cried. That's why they called him the weeping prophet. I want us to listen to one of his outcries. Turn in your Bible to to Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 20. Give you a second to scroll through your smartphone. Jeremiah chapter 20. Listen to his outcry to God. And you could pick a number of them, but look at this. This is after he's told the people, God tells them, I want you to go tell the people this. He tells the people that, and they laugh at him, mistreat him, ridicule him, throw him in a pit, hate him. And this is what he says Oh Lord, he's praying. You have deceived me, and I was deceived. He's saying, I told him, and he didn't listen. You have overcome me and, I, and prevailed. I've become a laughing stock all day long, because he kept saying, Bad things are happening, it's going to happen, the kingdom's going to be destroyed, and it wasn't happening. So he's saying, See, he's a liar. I become a laughing stock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction. That was the message God had given him. Because for me, the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. But if I say, I will remember him, I will not remember him, him being Lord. I will not remember him Or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. If Jeremiah were here, you know what he'd tell us? He'd say, Read what I had to say in chapter twenty. Of course I get upset when I'm mistreated. Of course I'm angry when I'm mistreated. Of course. I feel hurt and misunderstood when I'm trying to serve God God's way and people are all coming against me and they're telling me I'm lying or they're telling me I'm wrong. Of course I feel abandoned even by God sometimes. He'd say, listen, of course we are normal people and suffering hurts and suffering is confusing. But then I believe Jeremiah would say, okay, it's all right to be confused. It's all right to, it's all right to to have problems. It's all right to get frustrated. He'd say, but never lose sight of the truth. And that's what what he's talking about in verse 9. Never lose sight of the truth. The truth in a nutshell is this, friends. God is God, and I'm not. God is God, and he has not forsaken you. Things are just confusing at the moment. Jeremiah said this, but if I say I'll not remember him, I'll not remember God, I won't speak anymore in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire fire. He says, I, I, I get weary of holding it in. He said, listen, I know God is so real and it's, it's a bad time. It's a rotten time and I'm frustrated at God. But guess what? I got to remember the truth. God is God and I am not. And you know what? I don't understand what's going on, but he's told me to do it and I'm going to trust him in it. See, Jeremiah knew that God was real. Jeremiah knew that God was good and he could never deny him. And he can never stop talking about him. He said, I can't, you can't shut, you can't shut me up. It's like fire inside of my bones. I got to say it because God is God and I'm not and I'm going to do what he asks me to do. Friends, it's okay to struggle in suffering. It's not a lack of faith to struggle in suffering. But never lose sight of the truth. God is God and we are not. And he has not forsaken us. He has not forsaken you. And his heart breaks when your heart is hurting. That's the truth. That's why James says to the suffering in the verse we read in the very beginning, the Lord, he's talking about going through suffering, he says, but the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. He doesn't give reasons, He says, but here's the truth. The Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. That's the truth, so it's okay to struggle. That's not a lack of faith, but never let go of the truth. That God is good, he's full of compassion, and he's merciful. So I think if we talk to the prophets and say, what do you have to say to us? I think those are the two main things that the prophets would say to us. You know, that those who are suffering, that, that the prophets would say that. But now James in the text says we can learn something from the prophets. But he says, you know what? There's another guy who's got something to teach us. And his name is Job. And he has something else to teach us about suffering. Man, if there's anybody in the Bible that can teach us about suffering, it's Job. Are you familiar with Job you know who he is? Some of us do and some of us probably don't. So let me explain a little bit about Job. Job was a guy who lived a charmed life. He really did. He had a nice family. He was very rich and he was righteous, as said. As a matter of fact, he, said he was blameless before God. And the Old Testament book that is written about him, it has his name on it. It tells about the events that took place in heaven centering on the life of Job. The scripture says that the Lord was in heaven one day with the angels and the fallen angel Satan shows up at their meeting and they begin to discuss Job. Matter of fact, what I think is really happening is God's bragging on Job. He's saying, you know what? Yeah, Satan, you're causing problems, but look at my, look at my guy down there. That's my guy. Look at Job. He's blameless. He's awesome. He's living for me with all of his heart. And and Satan says, well, of course he is. You bless everything that he does. He has no reason to not serve you. It's not really real. You're just a sugar daddy. You give him everything he wants, and he doesn't know what would have happened if you didn't give him everything. Would he keep serving you? So God says, You know what, Job? Are you Satan? You go ahead. I'm going to allow you to, 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 to strip the things away from his life. I'm going to reveal to you, Job's true heart, that he will continue to serve me. And the scripture says that after that, in one moment of time, matter of fact, it, happened, it says it happened in, in succession four different messengers came in to talk to Job. And you know what they said? The first messenger came in and said, you know what, Job? The Sabaeans have come and they have taken all your oxen and all your donkey and they killed your servants. He goes, oh my goodness. As that guy's talking, the next messenger comes in and it says, you know what? Um, a fire from heaven fell and consumed all your sheep and consumed all your shepherds of the sheep. He's like, oh my goodness. As the words are coming out of that man's mouth, the next third messenger walks in the door. And says, the Chaldeans have taken all your camels and killed all your servants. And then as that words are coming out, the fourth messenger comes in and says, Job, all your kids are dead. They're having a party in the house and 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 the building collapsed. And all of your children are dead. Job lost everything. And the story, through 42 chapters, talks about how Job remains faithful to God. Well, he remains faithful at that moment and God and Satan interact again and and Satan says to to God, well, of course, he's still serving you. Look at, he's healthy. And God says, listen, you can take away his health, just don't kill him. And so Job finds himself as the enemy inflicts uh, sores all over his body from head to toe. And Job goes out to the town's garbage dump and he finds a broken piece of pottery and he begins to scrape the sores in his body. Maybe the most disgusting scene in all the Bible. He's sitting there covered in sores, scraping them in a garbage dump. And you think it couldn't get worse, but it does, because Job's three friends show up. Friends. They were, here's the deal, because one of the points we're going to learn, they were his friends. It calls them, sarcastically, Job's comforters. And they show up. And they're trying to reason with him. They're trying to understand what's going on. They're trying to get him to repent. They're saying, obviously, Job, obviously you've done something very, very wrong, Job. Because God would not allow this to happen in the life of a righteous person. Obviously you've done something very wrong. You must repent so that God can rescue you. And as if it couldn't be any worse, Job's wife, the one family member who wasn't killed, shows up. You know what her great word of encouragement to Job is? Just curse God and die. Honey, please, don't ever (laughs) say that to me. Just curse God and die. But in all of his sufferings, he never does curse God. He never does reject God. And at the end of the story, we find out that God restores everything that had been taken. Now, it didn't take away the pain from what he lost, but restored and multiplied even more, gave him more of the cattle and the sheep and everything, and more children than he had before. So what would Job say to us about suffering? Well, this guy who is the example of suffering. Well, I think there's two things that Job would say to us. The first one is this, and this is what I want us to all pay attention to today. Because if you're not going through suffering, you know someone who is. It's this. Sometimes well intentioned friends make the situation worse. Sometimes well intentioned friends make the situation worse. They just don't know any better. Job's friends went to encourage him. They did. And they actually ended up discouraging him. They discouraged him how? By trying to make sense of the situation. They tried to make say A plus B has to equal C. And they're trying to make sense of the situation. But the problem is, often we can't make sense of suffering. Oftentimes there are no answers. There is no answer, my friend, why this last week, Suzanne and I went to the funeral of my friend Ron, who served God with all his heart, and he died way too young from having surgery and ended up getting an infection and dying. its It does not make any sense. There is no A plus B equals C here. It doesn't make sense. It's irrational. Thousands of people have the same surgery and be fine. There is no rational answer. Just last week, a week ago, not this Thursday, the Thursday before, I went to visit Robin Brunkwell. Robin, wave at us. Robin's way in the back in her wheelchair back there. I went to visit Robin in the hospital after her at least 20th surgery since I've known you in 10 years. And I talked to her about suffering. Matter of fact, it was really interesting because I had just finished writing the, the context of the text of this sermon. And I left, got done, and I drove to the hospital to see Robin after her 20th surgery and have watched her suffer. for the, I've known you for 10 years. This Christmas, December 20th, is 10 years that I know you. And I've watched 10 solid years of consistent suffering. Robin has suffered more than any person I personally know. But here's what I would say Robin has suffered well, better than any person I know. She suffered well. And I asked her about these different points of the sermon, if they were true. And they were. And I got to this one. And I asked her, Do people ever make it worse? She said, All the time. All the time, people make it worse. They think they're trying to help, but they actually make it worse by the things they say. They don't think it through. They're trying to give answers when there are no answers. She said that, you know, oftentimes people try to give these pat little spiritual answers. And, and you know what? Those of us who have been in Christ the longest are the worst at it usually. Oh, you know, God has a reason for this. Or, you know, whatever. We give some pat little answer. Guess what? In the midst of suffering, that does not help you. It hurts. She said often, I'm quoting her because she sent me a text and I wrote it down your text. She said, often people will share their stories and their victories, but those don't comfort or empower one in survival mode. When you're in survival mode, she said this, only the love and the hope of Jesus can help. And you know what I loved about Robin? And it's part of the next point. But I said, Robin... Do you experience Jesus in ways you never would have without the incredible suffering in your life? And she said, absolutely. I've met Jesus in ways that I never could have before. She suffered well. But friends, here's the point of of this point. That I want to give us some advice. That I was taught by a man, a pastor, when I was a brand new pastor, when I had to go my first time ever to a situation in a hospital, middle of the night, where a family was in an accident. A couple family members were killed. Children were killed. The rest of the family was all beat up. They got T-boned across the center line. They got T-boned, and it was carnage. And um, I had to go to the hospital in the middle of the night and be with this family. I said, what do I say? He said, nothing. Just be there. Nothing. Don't have an answer. And he said, and this is interesting, I should should be careful saying this because you're going to go, oh. I said that to Pastor Mark. This is what I've learned over 27, 28 years of doing this now. A lot of times when you're going through suffering, I just sit there with you. Once in a while I'll say, can I pray with you? And I don't answer. I'll talk about the weather. I'll talk about something else to distract us. Talk about your hobbies, whatever. I don't ever try to give answers. Don't say a whole lot. Some of you go, well, you always say a lot. I don't say a lot. In that situation, I say nothing. Ask Robin. I listen. And you know what they say all the time at the end? Oh, pastor, I couldn't have made it without you. And I sit back and I go, this is what my friend told me. He goes, they're going to say you couldn't have made it without you. And you're going to realize, I didn't do anything. But what you did is you were just there. You just need to be there. The best advice I can give you if you're dealing with somebody who's going through suffering is don't try to give any answers. Don't try to rationalize it out. Well, A plus B equals C. Don't try to give any answers. Don't say much of anything. Just be with someone who is suffering. They need your presence. They don't need your answers. Because most likely, friends, and I mean no disrespect in this, your answers are probably wrong anyways and are going to bring discouragement. You're probably wrong. Because you're not God. You don't know what's going on. I'm not God and I don't know what's going on. Do you want to be a great friend to someone who is suffering? Just listen to them. Let them talk. Let them vent. Let them cry and you cry with them. I think that's the first thing Job would say to us about how to suffer well. Second thing I think Job would say to us is this. That's what I alluded to with Robin's story. Is this? He'd say, "I'm better because I suffered. Suffering can have a great outcome in our lives. Matter of fact, it says Jesus learned the things he learned as a son through suffering. And if Jesus had to learn through suffering, what do we need to learn through suffering? And we're in the the culture in all the history of the world who does more to avoid suffering than anybody else because we can. We have the abilities to avoid suffering by staying continually distracted and busy. Suffering, though, can have great outcomes. In the process of suffering, what happens is the non-essential things get stripped away and we can more clearly see what has the most value in our lives. And also in our crying out to God, we really do find that God is there for us in ways that in the, real, in, the, in the really good times, the reality of those good times just don't offer the same situation that we have when everything is stripped away and we're suffering. Turn your Bible to the book of Job. If you're at Jeremiah right now, flip back towards the beginning of the book. Job chapter 42, the last chapter. Listen to what Job says at the end of his ordeal. So this is after all the suffering. Look listen to what he says at the end of the suffering. It's called entitled in my Bible Job's confession. He says then the Lord answered. Then Job answered the Lord and said. So God has just talked to him now he's talking back to God. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that Hides counsel without knowledge. Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand. He's talking about, he said all kinds of things in his ranting that were wrong. Things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Verse 4, hear now and I will speak. I will ask you and you will instruct me. And here's the verse. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees you. Therefore I retract and I repent in dust and in ashes. Look at the transition that happens in Job's life. He said that before his sufferings, I had heard of God. Remember, he was a blessed, righteous man. He said he was was righteous in all his ways. He had heard of God. God was right here just fine. But in the process of pain and suffering, of losing everything, it says this, I saw God. He came to know him in a much more personal way. And friends, oftentimes the only thing that can do that is suffering. That's why the false gospel that says all suffering is bad, why it's such a lie. Why it's why it's fired by the enemy, not by God. Because suffering can have good things in our lives because we do live in a corrupted world and the only way we can experience some of these things that we need to experience, like God is really God, is through Suffering. It's where we find out the words of James to be true. The Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. And that's what Robin said was true. She said, that's when I experienced him the most. And she talked about one of the times, one of the last times, where we had a, it was not a cool situation, but it was a terrible situation. You almost died maybe a yearish ago. And Dave hauled you over his shoulder to the hospital because you weren't breathing. And you came to after being in a coma. And I was there. <laughs> and I had to tell you, oh, you're in the hospital. This is what happened, and, um, and in, in, in all of that, um, I, I've asked you, you know, how did you get through that? You told me the other day about that situation. You said, you know what? I knew nothing else, but a song kept going. I think it was Jesus Loves Me, kept going through my mind. A song kept going. You said, that's all I had was that song Over and over. When I had nothing else. You didn't even know what else was going on. In that time of being in a coma. That's all you had. You come to know Jesus. In moments like that. That you would never know in any other way. So church. Suffering is a very real part of life. Some of you are experiencing suffering now. Some have walked through it in the past. And some of us. All of us. Will encounter it in some way in the future. And James' words to us is that we can suffer well like the prophets and Job did. Why? How? Know that you will suffer because you walk with Jesus. Know that it's okay to struggle and suffering, but never lose sight of the truth. God is God and I am not. That's what Job learned. God knew things he didn't know. Know that sometimes well-intentioned friends will actually make it worse. Don't despise them for it. Don't hate them for it. They don't know any better but we can learn better and that know that you can be better because you suffer. You can know Jesus better. You can grow in ways you would not have grown without suffering. So some of us in here today, you need to hold on to one of these points because the Spirit's just speaking it into your heart today. You need to take that to God and let Him minister to you with it. Maybe, friends, suffering has brought you here today. Let's pray Father, the message of suffering is not a message that, that we generally would say we want to look at. We'd like to look at and say, wow, I'm really hoping I suffer this week. But Lord, what we can see is that there's a way to suffer well. And I pray for our church family. That Lord, you would help us to learn to suffer well because it's something all of us go through. The death of, the death of friends and family, the illnesses, loss, broken relationships. All the ways we could suffer. And Lord, you are the answer. And so Father, this morning we invite you into the equation. We welcome you in Jesus. And we say, help us to see how we can walk through suffering with you. God, maybe there's ones in here today who just need your grace in a really hard time right now. I pray God that you would touch them. In a way that only you can. Touch them. Give them wholeness. Give them hope. Lord, there could be some here today who really don't know you. and Maybe they've invited you into their life during communion. Maybe they haven't done that yet. Let them see that you want to bring them to yourself. So that you can give them your Peace that surpasses all understanding. And so, Father, we're your family. And Lord, I ask this, as we as your church family would go through suffering, help us to suffer well. Thank you.